don't know if you've had a parent or a grandparent that's done this before. You're sitting around with family, relatives, maybe somebody's coming over to your house to visit, and you're sitting there, and um, grandpa or grandma, maybe mom or dad, start telling that story again. You know what story I'm talking about? It's the one they always have to bring up. And you as a kid, you're like, oh, here we go again. The story about, finish the sentence, right? So this past summer, the baseball teams for FCA were all up in Wisconsin at the Wisconsin Dells, enjoying time together, playing ball. And uh, one of the mornings, uh, I grabbed another one of the dads and his boy, and we grabbed our kids. And so it was a bunch of us boys, you know, and we, we get around and we go out to Denny's. And we're sitting there at Denny's, okay? I like Denny's. You know, I just like breakfast food. So we're sitting around Denny's, and I look at the jelly packets. I grab one of those jelly packets. I'm like, I remember when I was a kid. And right away, my boy's like, here we go again. The jelly packet story. I look at them like, that's right. And you're going to hear it again because they have not. The jelly pack, and I told my jelly packet story, right? Sometimes when you come to church, you, you arrive here, and the pastor gets up, and, and he opens, says, open up to Matthew chapter 14, and we open up our Bibles like, oh, <laughs> that story again. Heard of that one before. Great. Hmm. Well, I'm just going to tell you right now, the story that we are going to focus on in Matthew chapter 14 is one of those stories where it's like, yeah, I've heard that before. Good. But you know what? There might be somebody here that's not heard that story before. Or you might hear it in a way you've never heard it before. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 14 and buckle down as we uh, hear a familiar story. Matthew chapter 14. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. Matthew chapter 14. As we look at Matthew chapter 14, this is a time uh, Jesus had just finished a few stories with some people. He'd gone back to Nazareth. He went back to his hometown. He's in his hometown. It's homecoming, right? A lot of you in school have experienced homecoming. It's been fun. You've had homecoming parades and, and homecoming dances and homecoming uh, competition in your school. And it's been all fun, right? Jesus goes back to his home. But I'm telling you, it's no homecoming parade. It's no homecoming party. Matter of fact, people refused to listen to him. They didn't treat him very well. You know, it's like to go back home and be mistreated. So he's probably emotionally disappointed with this. And so he's like, well, that's fine. I'm, I'm going to leave. But as he leaves, he gets word of his cousin, John, John the Baptist, who is murdered. And it just isn't he was murdered, he was killed. He was maliciously murdered. He was beheaded. And as Jesus is leaving his hometown, sort of disappointed with where things are, he gets this horrific news, and now even he's even more emotionally distraught. Again, this is God in the flesh, but remember, he is human. He's going to experience emotions as we experience emotions. He's dealing with grief. He is alone. He wants to be alone. But in the midst of trying to be alone... Hundreds of people start gathering around him. Thousands of people start gathering around him. Be alone and just get away, and you can't. Like, I just need some time alone. And all, then all of a sudden, all these demands come, right? And that's what happened. 
these hundreds of thousands of people start approaching Jesus, asking for healing, asking for help. Give us some more great teaching. Here he is now going to feed over 5,000 people. We have one of those accounts in Matthew chapter 14 when Jesus feeds over 5,000 people. And you look at verse 22. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. Finally. After all the grief, after all the pain and the rejection and the demands that have come his way, those 24 hours were pretty uh, strong and heavy in what was going on. And he's like, I, I, I just need to be alone and spend time with my heavenly father. So he sends his disciples off into a boat, probably a 30-foot fishing boat. They're going to cross the Sea of Galilee. It's a small sea, about 13 miles in length, about 7 miles in width. So it's not that big of a sea, but boy, does it have stormy weather. Storms come up on this sea pretty quick. It's a pretty crazy, moody sea. And it says, as we read on, if we take a look here, meanwhile, verse 24, the disciples were in trouble. Let me hear you say, uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and there were fighting heavy waves. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. They're crossing this sea, and one of those storms come. Waves are bashing up against the side of the boat. The winds are strong. Lightning is, is, uh, is flashing, and the thunder's clapping, and it is a situation that nobody wants to be in. Now, it's been a long 24 hours. It's sort of like, now this? Now, let's remember something about who's in the boat. It's the disciples, right? We know that a few of them are fishermen. So some of them, they're experienced with this. They've been through storms before, right? Some of us in here, we've gone through storms in our life, and it's like, been there. I, I know how to handle this as best I can handle a stormy situation. But we need to remember that in the boat, there were also disciples who were not fishermen. A tax collector, for one, right? Various occupations, they're in a new situation. This is incredibly frightening and scary for them. They don't know how to handle it. But next to them is a fisherman who has been there, right? But even the fishermen are scared and nervous. We've all been there on both sides. Some of us have been there where we're like, I've been through tough times in my life. I know how to handle it. Others are like, I don't know how to handle this. So we reach out to each other if this were our boat, so to say, and say, can you pray for me? Can you help me? When you have your ladies' Bible studies or the men's Bible studies or the small discipleship groups, one thing that you get to offer is you're in a little boat together. And you get to share moments when you struggled with something, somebody else has maybe been there, and they can pray with you and minister to you. It's an incredible thing. But in the midst of all this, as much as we try to help each other, there's one missing factor. Jesus. See, we can try to counsel each other all we want, but without Jesus in the presence... We're really just offering good advice, and that's about it. But nothing heart-changing. So they fought the storm, just like we fight storms. And I'll pause for a second, like I always do, and they say, what are your storms? What's going on in your home? Is it peaceful, or is it an argument always waiting to explode? Is it a comfort zone, or is it a war zone? Is there joy? What else could be a storm? Death, sickness, 
cancer? What kind of storms physically are you facing in your life or in your family's lives? Those are tumultuous times when you have those kind of things come your way, injury and pain. You don't like those. I don't like those. How about at work? How are things going at work for you? A lot of pressure, no pressure. Do you have it going well? Or is it, I really don't want to go back to work tomorrow. I hate Mondays. Is it that kind of situation for you? Is that a storm in your life? Students, some of you are dealing with grades or things at school where there's pressure coming or people acting a certain way and you're trying to stand for Christ and it's so hard. I hear with college students, you know, now that I have one, you know, the adjustment of going from high school where grades are pretty, you know, simple, not always simple, right? But when you get to college, ooh, it's a different story. It's a different adjustment for time management. All of a sudden, that's a, that's a storm. How about money, finances? Is that a storm in your life? Figuring out how to pay for things. And, well, I really want to give to this, but I really got to pay for that. And, and, and I've got to work extra hours to make sure I can get this, but I don't know how, where this is going to come from. How about one more storm? How about relationships? Husbands, wives, parents, children, close friends, co-workers, relationships. That's always stormy. That's always stormy. These are the life storms, right? But here's the good news. Let me hear you say good news. We're not alone. That's the good news. That's the good news. Jesus comes walking to them on the water at three in the morning. Three in the morning. In the midst of the worst time of the storm, Jesus comes walking on. They didn't see that coming, did they? If they're disciples, I'm sure they weren't sitting in a boat at three in the morning, fighting the waves, fighting the wind, and sitting there saying, where's Jesus? Anybody see him yet? He should be here, right? They were, they were not expecting that. They might have been crying out to him. We don't know. It's not recorded. But here comes Jesus walking on the water. It's like a superhero movie, right? Here he appears just in time, in the nick of time to save the day, right? Jesus comes walking on the water. That's how God works. You know, I think about how, you know, we, we shared a few weeks ago the finances of this church. It's always right, right around there. We're like, okay, God, how are you going to handle the finances of the church, right? Boy, we've, we were renting one building, or we're renting this building, and we just bought the other one, and we're going to get out of that one. But to get out of that one, boy, we're going to have like a six, seven-month lease we're going to have to pay for. That's a lot of money we're going to have to pay for, and we're not even using the building. And we prayed, God, you know, bring somebody along that's going to rent the building, right? And what does God do? He brought somebody along that bought the building. Thank you, God. We weren't even out of there, and they were walking through, figuring out what to do as soon as we pulled the last piece of furniture out. In the midst of a storm, like, oh, God, how are you going to handle this? He's like, I come walking on water. Let me show you how I handle things, right? When my sister-in-law, back on the day of my father's viewing, we get up that morning. It's the day we're going to view for my father. And we get the phone call from my nephew that, hey, we're off to the hospital. Uh, my mom would be my sister-in-law. I was in the hospital. And she'd not been acting right for a year or two. And just things just didn't seem right with her. Well, when they discovered that she had a brain tumor the size of a softball in her head that morning, it was like, are you serious, God? I mean, we're here viewing my father, and my sister-in-law's got a brain tumor. They're going to take her into surgery within hours, and we wonder what's going on, right? Can I tell you how God works? Can I tell you how, how he walks on water? This past week, she applied for a couple of jobs, and she's got a job. She's, she's not only recovering well, she's beyond recovery time, and she's picking up a part-time job to start working. That's how God works. He walks on water. Amen? 
And that's the way it goes in our lives. And sometimes we sit there and say, but, 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 but I'm still in the midst of my storm. Where's he at, right? In the storms of life, our senses are pretty keen. Our attention is easily grabbed. See, because when life is good, we aren't looking for Jesus, right? We're sort of cruising along. Man, life is really good. We're not looking. Hey, where's Jesus at? It's when life is rough, it's like, where's he at? And almost maybe with a little attitude sometimes. We expect Jesus to show up at church. We expect Jesus to show up at a worship service. We expect Jesus to show up at Easter or at a retreat or in your Bible study. But in the storms of life, that's when we need him worst, right? And he shows up and he says three things. What is it? Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Great words. Look in your Bible. That's something you need to underline. Verse 27, Jesus spoke to them at once. Okay, as soon as they were almost fearful of this presence walking on the water at once, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. I'm here. You know, Jesus in the middle of the storm when he does this, it's almost like a breath of fresh air to them. It's almost that calming moment. It's like, oh, phew. good, he's here, he's here. I, I don't know about you, okay, so Halloween's coming up. Some of you enjoy this, uh, this holiday. Some of you like, no, don't touch it with a 10-foot pole, right? Um, some of you like to goof around. Some of you like to dress up, but whatever, have fun, okay? Um, just, just, yeah, anyway, I'm not going to go there. We don't have time for that. Anyway, so uh, for Halloween, though, there's a lot of fear and a lot of scare put out there on TV and media, right? And I was like, let's scare people. Let's scare people, right? Um, what removes fear? See, back in high school um, and college, uh, before I met the love of my life, okay? I'll throw that out there. Just, okay. So anyway, because uh, there was other girls that maybe I sort of dated or something like that. Okay, but here's the deal. So when you'd go to those Halloween scary places, guys, let's be real. You went to the Halloween thing, walking those scary houses or mazes, hoping, hoping that the girl you were walking with would get scared. Because what happens next? She grabs your arm, and you're like, <laughs> she's touching me. She touched my arm, right? Or she grabs your hand, like, oh, we're holding hands, right? Come on, guys, think back that high school kids, you don't be thinking about that. <laughs> Son. Yeah. But it, what, it's like, what brings a calming presence in fear? A touch, right? Uh, I'm here. Think about this. Uh, on a little more serious note, when, when you're hurt or when you're sick or you go to visit somebody in a hospital room, what brings calm, a sense of calming or, or peace? It's when you're right up next to me like, it's okay. I'm right here. Moms, you're great at that. You really are. Because when your kids are, are crying, and at least with the first couple kids, right? As the kids get over, you're like, eh, suck it up, right? Okay. But... <laughs> The first couple of kids, when they're hurting and they're crying, parents, seriously, you do a great job of this. You grab me like, it's okay, I'm right here. And you hold them, right? And as a child, you're like, I feel peace. I feel peace. And that's sort of the moment here when Jesus is, he's, he's like, I'm right here. I'm right here, it's okay. And you have to believe that those disciples in that moment are like, Phew, it's going to be okay. Jesus right here. It's good to know that we cannot be separated from the love of God. Amen? Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. You might want to mark that Matthew portion, but go to Romans 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, chapter 8. In chapter 8, we'll start in verse 38. Paul says this, very, very strong-hearted. He says this, For I'm convinced that nothing, let me hear you say nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, these are storms, people, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed, that is shown, that is put into practice in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love. In the midst of that storm, the disciples are probably thinking, does he really love us? Really? He sends us in a boat across the sea, and here we are in the midst of a storm. Jesus put us here. Does he really love us? And he comes walking on water, doing the amazing, and answers that question for them. Yes, I love you. Don't fear this. Take courage. I'm here. Nothing can separate us from my love. Nothing can separate us from my love. I'm not alone in this. And we, when we realize that we're not alone, our faith starts growing even more. Because that's what happens when you're confident. When you're a confident person, you start taking risks. When you're a confident person, you're not afraid to sort of sit where you're at. You're like, you know what, I want to try something new. When you're a confident person, you do what you do, and you do it with a lot more uh, oomph. That's a big word, right? Okay? But when you're fearful, you sort of tend not to take risks. You sort of step back. It's like, I don't know. I, I believe. Do you really believe in God? These guys are like, I, I believe. I believe. Peter believed so much that what did he do? He believed so much. He's like, you are here. I feel so calm. I feel so confident. Jesus, ask me to come out to you. Let me come out to you right now, please. He's like, bring it. And Peter steps out of that boat onto the water. And it's an amazing thing. He was all in. He was all in. He steps out of the boat. And that's what you do when you have courage. That's what you do when you have confidence. That's when you really believe that, you know, God is true with his word. It's going to be okay. This is an incredible storm going on. But you know what? It's okay because he's here with me, and I want to go right where he is right now. And he does that. That's sort of crazy, right? But that's what faith does. Faith propels us forward in our walk with Jesus Christ. And we start doing things that people are like, what are you doing? That's ridiculously crazy. If you've seen the movie Woodlawn, okay, there's a scene in the movie, and again, this is based on a true story, where these two rival high schools that have gone through a couple years of discovering who Jesus Christ is, these two football teams meet in an incredible rival, the largest football game ever held in the stadium, and, and thousands of people, right? And before they play the game, the head coach is standing on the side, with this chaplain, this guy that worked for FCA, and he's like, you want to do something crazy? Yeah. They went out to the middle field where the microphone still was in 1974, and the other coach, they waved to him. He comes over. Here's these rival coaches and their chaplain, and he says, you want to do something crazy? Yeah. Let's pray. So in the microphone with a stadium filled with people, they start to repeat the Lord's Prayer. That's crazy. But when faith's got a hold of you and you are confident and courageous, you are propelled forward to say, I'm going to do something God's called me to do. 
and maybe nobody's ever seen it before. And that's what Peter did. He steps out of the boat doing something no one's ever done before. Remember, it's still stormy, right? Stormy times usually cause us to go below deck and take cover, but not this time. Rise up and do something incredible, right? And that's what Peter does. Have you ever walked across a um, frozen uh, pond before or a lake or a puddle? Okay. Everybody pick which one they've walked across, okay? It's like, I'm not going on the lake. I've walked across a frozen puddle before. I've slid on there, right? Okay. You all know what I'm talking about, okay? So at first, when you first step on it, you sort of wonder, like, this, will this icy surface hold me? You know, you sort of walk and then you start slide. Next thing you know, you're, you're sliding, you're skating, you're ice fishing. Lindsay, you still ice fishing, right? No? You won't touch it, will you? Okay. Exactly. Who wants to sit on an ice box and try to catch fish? I just go to Chief or Kroger and go to the frozen fish. Get there, right? Okay, anyway. So, at Miracle Camp, a few, this was actually many years ago, Miracle Camp, uh, we were out on the, on the frozen lake and we were playing the game called Animal Ball. Okay? It's a combination of hockey and rugby and kickball. I mean, it's basically two goals. You've got a kickball. You can use any part of your body, and you can run into people or whatever, slide into people, but just try to get the ball in the goal. It's called animal ball. Don't recommend it for anybody over the age of 20. Okay? Um, and it was, a, it was a blast. But as we're playing, I, I was having so much fun. I never realized that guess what's below me? Deep, cold water right? And if you sort of stop and think for a moment, like, what happens if this breaks, right? Now, we've all heard that indescribable, unforgettable sound of ice cracking. You know what I'm talking about? If you've been on ice before and all of a sudden you just hear it, it's like, exactly. (laughs) Not sure if you're clearing your throat or what, but that was right on. Okay. You're having fun until you hear that ice crack. And once you hear that ice crack, you look down and you see the cracks. And then all of a sudden you stop and realize, I'm pretty far from the shore. And then you look around and you see some pockets of water on top of the ice. Now your heart starts racing, right? It's a different story. Peter steps out of the boat, and it's like he's walking on an icy surface. I mean, he's like, this is incredible. I'm walking with my Jesus right here. And then all of a sudden, the waves crash, the wind's blowing, the lightning. Maybe he heard the thunder clap like the ice crack, you know? And all of a sudden, that woke him up like, wait a minute. I'm walking on water. And he starts looking around, seeing what's going on, and he starts to sink. Peter's walking on water. Look at verse, back to verse 29. Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. He began to think, save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Do me a favor. This is what I want you to do. Here, Jerry's going to help me out, okay? Immediately, immediately, like right now, okay? So right here, right now, right hand. Right now, okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. Right, right now. We're going to say it together. One, two, three. Right, right now. now. Right now, it was immediate. He grabbed his right hand and he pulled him up out of the water. Look at somebody next to you. I know it's like, we got to do this, really? Yes. Look at somebody, grab the right hand and say, right now, as you look at him, go for it. Grab two people, actually. Go for it. Find another person. (laughs) 
You say, why did we just do that? Because I think sometimes we've got to put into thought, uh, into action, what we're seeing, what we're reading. And we've got to think about when we grab somebody's hand, we go to greet people all the time, right? But a lot of times we need to greet people who are hurting. And we need to remind them. And I walk up to Jerry and say, hey, you know what, man? Right now, Jesus loves you. Right now, he wants to help you. Right now, he wants your faith to increase. Sometimes we've got to remind each other of that. Because we walk around in stormy situations wondering, is Jesus really, does Jesus really want to help me? And as Christian brothers and sisters, we're the ones that can come out and remind each other right now. As Jesus reached out his right hand to the right hand here and grabs Peter, pulls him out right now. Right now. Immediately. Your faith needs to grow. Stop doubting. He lifts Peter out of the water. They climb in the boat and... The storm ceases. Now, here's the thing. The problem was that Peter was what? Peter was, he, he became what? He looked at the storm waters instead of what? The storm walker, okay? Instead of the stormy waters, he should have had on the storm walker. That's where his focus should have been, but his attention was drawn away. Let me ask you this. Don't say this out loud, but do you all believe? Do you all really believe? Is your faith strong or weak? Or, or is your faith dependent upon the circumstances? When life is good, Jesus is good. When life is not so good, Jesus must be gone. That's not the way it works. He's here. My question to you is, do you believe? Do you believe? Sometimes we're just out of focus. Our eyes are looking everywhere else around us, right? The storms of life. All those things that we talked about and probably so many more, right? Take courage. Take courage. I believe there's a lot of us who believe, but we are still sinking because we've not reached up and say, all right, Jesus, take me. My eyes have been off focus. I want to do some amazing things in your name, in your name, not our name, right? All the work that's been done around our area, I've been seeing incredible things. And we got to give Jesus praise for. But Tara posted something recently on about let's help a family. Boom. I, you know, I didn't realize I was going to hop on and try to help out. And I found out that Jenny had already hopped on. But I was like, it, it's like well, what else do you need to it's, it's done. So many people kicked in right away just to help a family in need. That's a praise God. That's an incredible praise God, right? I heard a story is, uh, in the late... Um, 1800s, a gentleman by the name of Charles Blondin. Uh, some of you may have heard of Charles Blondin before. He was a tightrope walker, uh, an expert, and he would stretch a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. Okay, first of all, I'm thinking, that's ridiculous, okay? Why would anybody want a tightrope across the Niagara Falls? He's out of his mind, right? Well, Charles Blondin went across Niagara, not once, not twice, but he made a habit of doing it often, so much that people would come out and he would entertain them. So he started doing more. He'd go across and he would maybe juggle something. He would go across blindfolded. He would go across, I'm not sure how he did this, but it's recorded. He went across, stopped in the middle, made an omelet, ate it, and then finished off his walk. He went across, set up a chair, got on top of the chair, balanced on the chair, went back across. He was always trying to outdo himself so he could entertain people with all these things. And I'm sitting there going, I don't even... I don't even know if I want to take a helicopter across the Niagara, okay? And he's walking across on the rope. He one time took a wheelbarrow, filled it with bricks. Everybody's like, this is crazy because you've got to really do a lot of balancing now the whole way, not just one spot. He took the wheelbarrow all the way across. When he got to the other side, the reporters went crazy. They went nuts. 
okay? Now, to confirm the story, just to let you know I'm not making up, I shared this story probably 15, 20 years ago at a camp. I got done, this little girl comes running up, she goes, thank you for sharing that story. That was my great-great-grandpa. True story. And I was like, so, you know, I was like, good. I was hoping. I, I read it. I thought it was true, but you, thank you, okay? So uh, the story goes, he got across, emptied out the wheelbarrow, and the, the reporters were all amazed and excited and, and so forth and so on. And he's like, how many of you think I could put a person in that wheelbarrow and take him across? The reporter's like, oh, yeah. All the, all the reporters like, yeah, absolutely. You can do it. You can do it. Woo. And he goes, okay, who's first? Not one. Not one. Nobody was going to get in that wheelbarrow and go across. Oh, I believe in God. I believe in God. Oh, I believe in God's Son, Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in all that. I believe in God's Word. Yeah? You ready to hop in the barrel with Jesus? No. <laughs> I'm good from here. But what if Jesus is calling you to hop in? Asking you to get out of your boat and let's go. Walk on water. Get you know what? If one reporter would have got in that wheelbarrow and gotten halfway across, he would have had the view of a lifetime. His name would have been in what spotlights forever, right? The only reporter who went across. If he had his camera, I don't know what kind of camera they had back in the late 1800s, but he could have taken a picture. I know he would have had a view that nobody else ever had except Charles Blondin, right? So when you step out for Jesus, you might see some pretty amazing things. Amen? question is, are we going to do that? I want to encourage you. One more verse. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. In the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, I think sometimes we may, I don't know, we get so busy with life, we forget to stop. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. Another translation is, we must pay attention to the truth. We must stay focused and not get caught up with everything else going around us, the wind, the waves, the lightning, the thunder. Get my eyes back on Jesus. Get my eyes back on He's called me to step out of the boat. Do you believe if you do, it's time to step out of the boat. and Get your attention. Get your eyes back on Jesus, on his word. Do what you need to do. Um, when my, again, last basketball season, at the end of the basketball season, uh, I, I know like, I, I know my boys, I've seen other people do this. Steph Curry does this. They'll write uh, in memory of somebody, uh, maybe the initials on their tennis shoe or something like that. But then I've seen people, but... Bible verses on their tennis shoes so that when they're competing, they can look down and remember who they're playing for. Um, and again, in, in that movie, um, Woodlawn, it was, it was cool when um, Tony Nathan, the, the running back, he put on the back of his helmet, believe, and then one way to remember there's only one way to Jesus Christ. And it was sort of a compelling thing, right, to remind ourselves. It's important that we understand uh, that, you know what, I need to keep in front of me at all times why we do what we do for Jesus Christ. I truly believe in Jesus Christ. Obviously, as your pastor, that's a, that's a, that's a given, right? That can't always assume that, those kind of things today. But like I told you a couple weeks ago, two out of three are not okay with me. Two out of three, not okay with me. Meaning, uh, maybe one out of three, not going to heaven? No, 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 no. Two out of three, going to heaven? No, that's not okay with me. Three out of three. And this past week, just praying as I go to talk to all the teams that I go to, and you heard Joel Penn talk last night about the assemblies he does, and it's like I'm sitting there going, that's what we do all the time, right? 
And so is this week as I'm in all these schools and, and always talking to teams, it's like, you know what? This week, gospel presentation, every team we talk to, they need to know why we do what we do because two out of three is not okay with me. You got to be confident. You got to be courageous and say, you know what? Hey, uh, I want you kids to know this. I, I don't come here as a chaplain, as a pastor to say, I'm going to bring you motivation. I had, to, I had to laugh so hard in that movie when the coach looked at um, the, the young man that was representing FCA in the movie, and he's like, all right, you got five minutes, make it good. I'm sitting there going, I hear that all the time. You know? uh, a lot of coaches are like, all right, you got five minutes, motivate them. It's like, all right. And I had to remind every team I worked with this week, listen here, I'm not here to motivate you. I'm not here to give you wins and victories. It was just like the story in the book of Acts, chapter 3, when Peter and John are walking along, and there's the lame man, and he's begging, asking for stuff. And he looks at him, and he goes, he goes, what? He goes, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. So as I flipped the gold corner and talked to the kids this week, I said, listen, as I shared that story with them, I said, I'm here not to motivate you. I'm, not, I'm here not to give you wins and victories. I'm not a rabbit's foot. I'm not a good luck charm. I'm here to share with you truth, that there's a God who loves you, and his son, Jesus Christ, died for you. You need to know truth. And I, I'm here because I want you to believe. I want you to believe in truth. It was really cool. I wasn't at this particular chapel, but this week there was, we had a chapel in Toledo Northview High School. And uh, in that chapel, there were 17 football players, and 16 of them gave their life to Christ. How cool is that? Our Fields of Faith events that we did just a couple weeks ago, over 50 kids at our two sites gave their life to Christ. How awesome is that? Isn't that awesome? That's what we do, we do. But you know what? We can't do that if we're sitting in our boats all like, well, I sort of believe. I'm glad Jesus is here. Jesus didn't calm the storm before he walked on the water, before Peter walked on the water. Remember that? He could have. He could have calmed the storms a long time ago, but he hasn't. And maybe he's teaching us something. Maybe he's reminding us that, you know, storms are not an option. They're going to happen. But fear is. Fear is optional. God is the commander of every storm, and he is with us. So is your focus on him? Are you able to walk up to your Christian brothers and sisters and right hand extended and say, right now, right now he's with you? Can we do that with one another? Oh, by the way, go back to the story of Peter and John. Remember, Peter was the one who Christ lifted him out of the water, and he reached over to the lame man. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And with his right hand extended, he reached out and lifted up the lame man, and he was healed and walked. Peter took what Christ gave him to be lifted, and he started lifting others up. We've all been lifted out of storms of life. It's time for us to start lifting others. That's what we, not what we do, but what Christ does through us. Amen? There is one God. There is one Lord and we serve him. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. So we proclaim that truth. So I encourage you this morning, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, he is the only way. He is the truth, and he is the life. And I encourage you to accept that. I encourage you to reach out your right hand to him. Say, save me. Lift me up. Help me through the storm. Or maybe you just would say, thank you for being here in the storm with me. Thank you for holding me and calling me. Now, Jesus, let me out. Let me go tell somebody else. Give me the strength and the confidence and the courage to go reach the others who are drowning in their storms right now. Would you please stand? We'll pray together. We praise God for new life.
We thank God for every opportunity we have, whether uh, we're at work and we share with a coworker, whether we are um, at a Bible study and maybe someone comes in to visit, maybe you're speaking to a team, maybe a group of kids, maybe you're at the recess, maybe you're the recess person and you're out there and some kids come up to you and you have an opportunity to share love with them. Multiple ways you have opportunities uh, God gives us to reach out to others. And when that happens, we don't say, hey, look what we did. We say, praise God, look what he's doing. Amen? It's not about us. It's about God. And we're focused on him and then what he's going to do through us. It's an amazing thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are an awesome God. We give you all the praise and glory. We thank you for being mighty in all things. We thank you that you came to this earth. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to walk on this planet, to show us who you are as an ultimate almighty God. And I thank you, Lord, for that story that we hear all the time about Peter walking on water. I thank you for that story because I need to be reminded every now and then that we do have stormy lives. And we sometimes do lose focus and we begin to sink. But you extend your love to us and you remind us, let's grow in this faith, okay? <laughs> Don't stay where you're at right now. I'm glad you got out of the boat. But now you're sinking. Let me lift you back up. Let's see that faith continue to grow. Because someday I'm going to work through you and you're going to lift somebody up in my name. And all the praise and glory will go to Jesus Christ. Not to us, not to a church, not to a ministry or an organization. All praise and glory always goes to the King of kings and Lord of lords, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And if there's somebody in this room right now, it's like, well, I, I thought I believed, I sort of believe. Now's the time to surrender. Now's the time to say, I surrender all. I give this all to you, Jesus. I reach out to you right now. Save me right where I'm at. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my stubbornness or maybe my pride, thinking I can do this life thing on my own. Forgive me, Lord. Come into my life. Make me new. And maybe we're just sitting here this morning, and we've always believed, but we've been really comfortable in the boat. Jesus has come to us, and he's calmed us, and we're feeling good, but we're just sort of staying in the boat. Maybe he's asking us to step over the side of the boat and do some mighty things in his name. Not so that we can be a, a show-off to other people, not so that we can get a step in front of other people, but that we are just being obedient because we want to be next to you. Help us to be courageous in our walk. Lord, we praise you for all things. As we sing this song to you, we lift up your name and your name alone as the God that we love and worship. In our name we pray, amen.